0: Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, October 2nd, 2006. Hi, this is Michael Lozen, and welcome. I think you're going to like today's podcast. We return to the subject of managing your career. But before we talk more about that, I'm often told that I don't mention the members-only podcast enough, so let me correct that right now. For those of you who don't know, each month Mark and I publish a special podcast only for registered members. Registration is absolutely free, and it's easy. Simply go to the website, www.manager-tools.com, and you'll find a registered link on the left-hand side of the homepage. Click and register and get access to our members-only podcast. You'll find the link to the registered members podcast on the left-hand side of the homepage as well. Our focus there has lately been, and will continue to be, on managing a career. Last month's podcast was on interviewing and the link between your resume and an almost perfect interview. Check that out if you haven't done so already. So more about today's cast. In a previous cast, we talked about how many managers don't understand the importance of taking recruiters' calls and walked through a step-by-step, hey, this is Manager Tools after all, how to handle those calls, what to say, what to learn, and how to proceed. But there's another side to the recruiting relationships, isn't there? What if you want to contact a recruiter without waiting for them to call you? Maybe you're recognizing a change in opportunities where you are, or you want to move in a different direction, or perhaps it's as simple as suddenly inheriting a terrible boss, and alarm bells are going off in your head. How does one contact a recruiter? What are the basics to consider, and how does one approach them when you're going to initiate contact? It's easy if you do it step by step, the manager tools away. Here we go! Well, Mark, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about contacting recruiters. I really get the sense that our community of managers want help with their careers, and recruiters can be a key part of how folks do that, but they don't often.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I'm always surprised, and I, and I shouldn't be, about the number of people who say, oh, no, I would never talk to a recruiter because, because that's disloyal, right? Uh, and yet, you know, it's such, such a, a big part of the corporate management world Know that recruiters play a role. You have to have a relationship with them. It's not the relationship of best friend, um, and it's just sad. I think that that general ignorance is 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 hurting so many great managers. Jeez, um, ah, uh, when, when I think about it, um, it, 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 it's so prevalent. I think that managers won't do it. That think about it. How many roles in corporate America is it appropriate? In in normal conversation, to rather than using the person's correct title, using a term of derision. In this case, I'm talking about headhunters. Um, how, how appropriate is that? How often is that appropriate uh, to use a term like that um, as opposed to their natural title? J- j- because you know they use it interchangeably with the word recruiters. It just tells you how people feel about recruiters. It's 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 inappropriate. Um, uh, because so many recruiters do do such such important work. Um, but I think that just kind of adds to it.
0: Yeah, but I think people, I mean, people when they're afraid of something, they tend to make fun of it. And they use terms oh. of derision like that. So, you know, I, I think yeah. part of it is just, you know, fear of the unknown. You know, they know that recruiters can be helpful, and they know they actually need their help, but they don't know how to do it. They don't know when to do it. And so they avoid it. They're They're afraid of, you know, potentially being wrong and, right comfortable relationship so instead of you know instead of the risk of being wrong and be subsequently embarrassed they, they avoid it yeah you know, and it, it's only when the pain of their <laughs> current position i.e they don't have a job yeah exceeds the potential pain of talking Talk- to a recruiter and being wrong do they actually right. do anything
1: yeah and that's too bad i think yeah
0: but that's why we're here so I, i'm you know in some sense i'm I'm glad; otherwise, we wouldn't have yeah. anything to talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. and, and, and this is a
1: case where it, it's yet again fairly straightforward, um, and hopefully, managers will get over their fear and create some relationships. So when the stuff hits the fan, if you will, um, they'll they'll be ready. Um, so when I was putting my thoughts together um, on on the topic of contacting recruiters. Um, I realize there are some introductory comments that we need to make, just a little bit of background, a little bit more detail than what we gave in the previous show about about, uh, being contacted by a recruiter, sort of background for our recommendations. So it's going to sound, even though it's the Manager Tools way, we do have 11 steps, which probably people are going, oh, my (laughs) God. Um, <laughs> how hard can it be? Yeah, how hard can it be? But r- really many of them are so simple and direct and they're so related to some other things that I think they're going to be very straightforward. So hey, let, me, let me walk you through the steps and then we'll get into them. Um, first, don't wait. Start now. Get your resume current. Start taking and returning calls. That's a huge one and we've already talked about how to do that. Do some research about possible firms. There are a couple of things everybody needs to know. Um, ask around for recommendations, then the key step is to call and introduce yourself, which is not hard in and of itself. Um, You're going to offer to meet the recruiter. They don't always take you up on it, but you're going to offer to meet. Um, The meeting should be no longer than 30 minutes. That's a surprise for a lot of people thinking that they want to go to lunch. Um, You are going to provide your resume. Then perhaps the most important step for someone who doesn't know how to do this to avoid a huge disaster is to preclude broadcasting, which we'll talk about what that means here in just a little bit. And then last step, of course, is to follow up. Um, Because our purpose is not to contact a recruiter so your name is in their file, but to to begin to think about having a relationship with someone, staying in touch with them. And the only way you can have a relationship, of course, is to follow up.
0: Cool. All right. Well, well. the first one, don't, don't wait. Start now seems fairly straightforward. I alluded to it earlier, which yeah. is folks don't – they don't start thinking about it until it's almost too late.
1: Yeah. I, I think what it is, Mike, is that most managers wait until they've decided to leave – before they start looking for another opportunity, like you, like you said, or, or decided to leave or, you know, are out of work. Um, and by the way, if you are out of work, it's not the end of the world. You can contact a recruiter. Recruiters can understand how those things happen. Um, it doesn't make you look on, on its face less marketable at all. Oh, yeah, there's probably a limit if you've been unemployed for a year. Um, but it depends on what you've been doing. If, uh, if you've had a, a child or your family situation changed, those things all play into it. Um, and the market is heating up right now, so, um, so there's more leeway on stuff like that. Um, nevertheless, um, we, don't, we recommend you don't wait until you decide to leave or have left before you start looking. Now, it, it's less true than it was 20 years ago. But I, I think this is still quite true of the majority of managers that I talk to. It, it's it's sort of an either or situation in, in in their heads. It's it's sort of digital. It's either on or it's off. And, and and the the mentality is either I'm staying or I'm going. And I think the problem with that is that the manager's thinking that the decision to leave ought to at least be. Um, well, I'm sorry. Let me let me say this differently. The problem with that thinking is the decision to leave. Um, at least ought to be in most cases predicated in part on what the market is like what other opportunities exist um, whether or not your your favorite company in the whole world uh, is hiring or not um, in other words it's not a I have to jump off the cliff, and then after I jump, I can find out what what the situation is. I mean, people just don't do that. You don't step off and then find out it's a mile down. Um, You look over the edge and say, oh, it's only three feet. I can be okay. I can take the step. Um, If you just aren't happy, quote-unquote, aren't happy in your job and decide it's time to go, only later to discover that opportunities aren't as good as you might like – You really, you may have hurt your present job situation, um, by your thinking and by your actions. Um, so, so we recommend a third choice, not the either I'm staying or I'm going, um, but, but it's, they're staying. And then the middle choice is keeping your eyes open. And then there's going, if you're completely happy, look, we're thrilled for you. You're staying. You don't have to worry about this kind of stuff. Um, although you should have relationships with recruiters, um, if you're happy or unhappy, but, but neither desperate to leave nor a fanatic about where you are, um, you're, you're basically keeping your eyes open. Um, sure, m- most managers, I-, I-, I believe, would do better to put themselves in the category of keeping their eyes open than in the category of staying or going. Um, if you decide you want to stay, that's fine. Um, and you, you, know, you could say to yourself, I don't need a recruiter, I'm staying. Um, just remember, uh, I know too many managers and executives who are so good; they're it's almost a joy to watch them do their job, and they're loved by everybody. And then they get laid off just like everybody else. Um, so, I we really do recommend the my, mentality of keeping your eyes open.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of equate it to you know going on a vacation. If you live in Northern California, decide to go on vacation, say visit the Grand Canyon. Um, for those who don't live in the United States, this might not make a lot of sense but you get the idea so it's a what's a trip of i don't know several hundred if not a thousand miles or whatever right but and you're going to a beautiful spot and you're gonna have a great vacation but it makes no sense along that trip not to look on the side of the roads because you might actually find something worthy of a different course right so you know why why go through your career with blinders on and and um, not avail yourself of opportunities that may be a better match for you, even though you're very happy in your current position.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I I think also the the idea that you're totally in charge of your career, and so right now I'm not going to do anything about it because I know what I want and how to do it. I think that's just crazy because people aren't in charge of their careers completely. Um, Companies can say, yeah, we know you think you're in charge of your career, but we're taking your job away. Or we're moving this division to to the Grand Canyon, and (laughs) you you don't want to go. So all those things certainly play a role. Um,
0: okay, so so if we convince people that they ought to be kind of going down the road with their eyes open a little bit, then yeah. they should be talking to a headhunter or recruiter. Yeah, either one. <laughs> no, no, no
1: disparaging remarks here. Yeah. Um, they
0: should be talking to a recruiter or two.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, okay, so so hopefully we've got that. We've got people thinking about keeping their eyes open. Uh, if they're on the journey, they want to pay attention to what they're going by because you never know what could happen. Um, I, and let me just mention something else, Mike. You, you, your point made me think of something. Um, I'm on a journey and I'm keeping my eyes open. I'm looking to the side of the road rather than just focusing on my destination. If I'm having lunch with some people in my industry and somebody says, hey, you know, you got to call me sometime. I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. That, that, that's a feeler that comes across as, or that's a feeler that could in fact mean I may want to hire you, and if this person's at your favorite company in the whole wide world or the place you really want to go to work at right now, uh, and you've got blinders on, you're thinking, I'm happy, I'm staying, you don't have a keep your eyes open mentality, uh, you may miss that. You may get too busy and forget, or you're in the middle of a project and forget. If you don't have that strategic career thinking cap on every once in a while, you miss those kind of opportunities, so important. Although you're being incredibly disloyal to your current company. Yeah, gosh. Um, Okay, number two, get your resume current. Oh, golly. (laughs) Hopefully this is one of those those kind of old news to our thousands of listeners. Uh, Remember, we recommend keeping your resume current each quarter. We can't tell you how many people have written to us uh, to look at their resumes, and they're five pages long. Or nowhere near what we recommended. And these people are implying that they've listened to our resume cast.
0: Cl- and then they, uh, one of, I don't know, one of a hundred people who have sent you recently their resume to look at. And, um, oh, by the way, uh, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't follow any of your advice, but would you look at my resume anyways? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, I just seems silly to me. Um, clearly. There are many folks out there who don't realize how important their resume is. Um, Spend the time to get it right, and and keep it that way 30 minutes a quarter by updating it with accomplishments that you've done in the last three months, even if that pushes it over two pages, um, so that when you need to, you can just cut a couple of things out, and boom, you've got a great one-page resume. Um, You've gotta have it current, you've gotta keep it current, so that when you're talking to a recruiter, You're not scrambling around and making this a huge project. Okay? So that was fairly painless, number two. Number three, look, we already talked about this one. You should start taking and returning calls. We've already done a cast on this. Um, You've got to be able to catch the balls that are thrown right at you. And and look, if you do this step well, you may never need the rest of this cast because you'll be able to evaluate the recruiters when they call you, and you will already be creating relationships with them. Literally, I have that so firmly in my head, Mike, that the only reason we didn't do this cast so quickly after we did the first one um, regarding how to handle recruiters when they called um, is because... I I just assumed everybody did it. I just, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, good. Everybody's going to get that. They're going to know it. But we've had several people say, no, I really need it now. I need to be contacting recruiters. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, Gosh, I wonder how many recruiters have called them in the intervening months. Um, So people just can't, you know, it goes back to the start now things.
0: I think a lot of folks have a hard time kind of um, resolving the conflict between serving their existing company and their existing employer and continue to look at the side of the road and seeing what pops up i think that's difficult for folks yeah 10 minutes they spend talking to a recruiter means it's 10 minutes they're not focused on their current job and a, a, a lot of folks have difficulty resolving that conflict
1: you know that's a great i i i gotta get that in my head i, I really do i, I think that's some, that's a blind spot for me um and that whole loyalty loyalty thing and I, I i feel very loyal wherever i've been um, i felt very loyal to procter and gamble i have procter and gamble memorabilia all over my house um, but nonetheless, I think you're right. Uh, I think you're right. And, and, that, and yet that 10 minutes, it just saves you, can save you hours and hours and hours um, in terms of when you need somebody and you pick up the phone and call them, um, are they going to be there for you? And if you've returned their calls, they'll return yours. Okay. Now we get into a little bit more of the detail about recruiting firms in specific, and, and, and this next step is do some research about possible firms. And I want to start by covering a couple of facts, some basics. There are actually five different types of recruiters, um, though most people don't think that way. And In fact, if you, if you were to tell a bunch of recruiters right now that there were five different types of recruiters because manager tools told you so, they'd think we were smoking crack. Um, <laughs> The two we're gonna focus on is retainer and contingency search firms, which are the vast majority of the types of search firms that people talk about, the recruiting firms. um, but but, two of the other four are internet sites like monster that 's an important one. They do a lot of business, uh, and there are many others, not just monster and then also internal corporate recruiters you know it 's very possible you get a call from a recruiter directly from a company it doesn 't have to be a search firm um, now that 's obviously a different conversation um, because they 're not going to be shopping you around potentially to a bunch of companies uh, and then the fifth type of recruiter ha- happens to be. My favorite, the best kind to know, which is other managers. Um, but that's a whole other cast about how to talk to another manager about a potential opportunity in their, in their company. And that goes back to our building a network cast, right? If you have a good right, network, exactly. um, everybody you talk to, if you impress them, could potentially turn their manager cap around and suddenly become a recruiter of you to come to work for them. And, boy, those, those situations are a lot simpler, a lot less complex, a lot more straightforward, um, uh, and quite frankly, easier to get through all the hoops. Um, right
0: Yeah, you mentioned too, you know, the retainer and contingency firms, I, I know, I know there's a little bit of a difference between them. Does it, but it, is it significant? Does
1: it really matter? Um, in a way it doesn't, um, because, because there are so many of the firms that, that do both, even though they, they imply that, well, the one part of our firm is, is completely different. Um, they're, so so they're slightly different, and it's worth being clear about, Mike. Um, a retained firm is paid by the hiring company, the client, no matter what. In other words, they're retained to do a search, whether, and whether they place somebody or not, in, in the first three or four months that they're doing that search, they get paid over time one-third of the starting salary of the position. Now, there are certain strictures put on the retained firm in terms of what people they can go after, and and, uh, they can't recruit any of of the the hiring companies, people away from their company at that time, Um, but basically... um, they're paid whether they place somebody or not, whether the company hires somebody on their own or a contingency firm places somebody in or what have you. And so they're kind of paid like doctors or lawyers and professionals. Um, whether you live or die or whether you win or lose your court case, both your doctor or your lawyer, they still get paid. Um, contingency firms are different is in that they're only paid if they place someone. Now, the fees are the same for both. Um, th- there, there is a uh, there's a little bit of a running battle between contingency and, and retainer firms about which one is better. Generally speaking, retainer firms look at higher-level positions. So one of the distinctions is if you're making less than $100,000 a year, the chances of you connecting, creating a relationship with somebody a retainer firm is very, very small, extremely small, unless you're well-known because you had a web startup a few years ago that you sold or or something along those lines, which, of course, in that case, probably you're not making eighty to $90,000 a year, um, but generally speaking, you're going to find that retainer firms, um, because large corporate clients can't afford to pay a bunch of firms to be on retainer for lower level positions, generally retainer firms recruit for positions that pay $200,000 and up, uh, although they go lower, um, and contingency firms tend to be the ones that handle the lower um, positions down to you know fifty thousand uh, dollars and they go lower than that, but even in many cases, um, most contingency firms would tell you oh i don 't you know I would never touch anything below eighty or one hundred thousand dollars a year and, and partially that 's because the less money they position is paid, the less money they get paid because they 're paid around thirty five percent again of their of their uh, the starting salary okay so contingency firms um, Well, there are a lot more subtle differences, but for our discussion, retainer firms are harder to create a relationship because they're more client focused and they tend to have what I'll call now a rifle shot approach to recruiting, meaning they're retained by some big company and they go out and look for four or five very specific people whom they already know to put together a slate of candidates that the the hiring company will interview contingency firms tend to be slightly easier to start a relationship with because they need more candidates for more searches because they're not retained due to just a few. They're looking at a lot of searches and they need a lot of candidates in order to satisfy those. And they might put 15 in front of a company and and that would be okay um, with the hiring company because it just proves that the contingency firm can get more people for particular jobs. The problem with that is you may actually be put in front of a company for, by a contingency firm strictly as a foil to the person whom they really do want to get hired, whom they really have a great relationship with. Okay. Um, okay. Here, though... Um, Again, it's the difference. It's easier to get seen by a contingency recruiter. and, And yet, here's something that's also very important. They can put you at a significant disadvantage in your career search. By put them. How's that? Yeah, they put a price on your head, Mike. When when they w- w- when you go and talk to them, he, here's what happens. You, you're sitting and you're talking to a recruiter. recruiter. Says, "Well, gee, you're you're certainly a very sharp person. I really enjoy talking to you, and I can see where this resume has a lot of opportunities. I can see you at, I can see you at Procter and Gamble. I can see you at Lever Brothers. I can see you at Johnson and Johnson. I can see you at uh, at." Uh, uh, Clorox, I can see you at Heinz, uh, uh, all these you know consumer products companies, and um, and you're like, well, okay, good, 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 um, great. And then what they do is they get your resume from you and they send it to all those firms. Who knows? Maybe they're looking for somebody. Um, so what's wrong with that? That sounds pretty good. That right? sounds great. Well. First of all, it's important to know, recruiters do not act as your talent agent, folks. Let's be clear about something. Recruiters don't work for you. You are cannon fodder to recruiters. And I hate to say that, but, but sometimes you'll get treated that way, and it'll, I don't want it to be a slap in the face to you. You don't pay the recruiter. The recruiter doesn't work for you. The recruiter works for the client company. You're necessary evil for them. They don't want to spend hours with you. They want to spend hours with the client so they can know the job better, and they want to spend minutes with you. In fact, they want Superman or Wonder Woman to walk through the door every five minutes so that it'll be very, very easy. And all they need to do is focus on creating a relationship with the clients. Look, in the recruiting business, client relationships are everything. So what? They- okay, well, then I, I don't feel so bad about calling them headhunters then if they're going to be that like- <laughs> <laughs> Now the other shoe drops. Um, but look, here's what happens. Um, they, they say they can send your resume out to a bunch of people. You're like, wow, great. Isn't that wonderful? Well, all they're doing is sending it out. They're not saying I've met this guy and he's fabulous and you got to hire him and let's talk about options. They're just sending your resume out, and there's a reason for that. They don't like to talk about it. it it's not done in all cases, but many, many, if not most firms do it. They send your resume out, It comes. they've put their logo on the top of it or a cover sheet or something. And then when you find out you can go to work for Johnson & Johnson on your own, you have a friend who works there, and he puts you into the system, and you get an offer. And then suddenly HR says, I'm so sorry, but we can't do this because we hadn't budgeted for a, for a search firm fee on this one, and yet we found his resume in our files from XYZ Corporation, and our agreement with them is if they send us a resume first, we have to pay them a fee. So they're blanketing the market with people around, with companies, at companies around you and in your industry, and you're essentially getting a price put on your head. Uh, Let me Hmm. make it even worse, Mike. Double whammy. You're talking to a company, you're talking to a contingency recruiter, and... um, uh, things are, are going well. He broadcasts your resume out to a bunch of places. You make 120000 dollars a year and he 's thinking maybe you can take a step up and he sends it to a firm, he sends it to a company that has already paid a retained search firm for the, the, the opening that he 's considering you for that he learned about through the grapevine. Now the hiring company has to pay the retained search firm already there thirty or forty or eighty thousand dollars plus They've got to pay the contingency firm. Now you have a double price on your head. So there's a danger. There's a way to address it. Don't get me wrong. There's a danger in in talking to search firms because they can literally blanket the market with your resume. And suddenly you're not as attractive to hire as the person who didn't have a recruiter involved. This implies, of course, right. the other person who's involved didn't have a recruiter knew about the position, which goes back to the whole fifth recruiter thing, which is other managers if you don't have a good network you don't learn about the opportunities
0: all right well i'm glad you said there was a solution because i was starting to get wonder whether whether we were just going to go down the path of don't use right oh no no there's an
1: easy solution that you have to know in order to overcome this to avoid having your resume sent out we'll share that in just a minute yes i'm sure right now people are going well heck i'm not doing well now why should i reduce my chances of getting hired and so i won't even talk to them but yes there's an easy way around that okay now look um you also want to look for firms that are focused on your skill specialty. There are, usually for most skills, there are firms like that. For your industry, there are always firms in any given industry that focus on an industry. And then also your geography, where you live. Don't necessarily start with the biggest firm, um, particularly if you make less than $100,000 annually. Um, is, that, um, is that US dollars? Yeah. Or yeah, Canadian international listeners, international. Listeners, yeah I, I do actually mean US dollars. <laughs> Yeah, somebody was saying that you know if we put 100k in rupees or something like that, that it would be five bucks. But no, we mean 100,000 U.S. dollars. Um, um, Now. Okay, how do you find out about search firms? First of all, I I, I got to recommend John Luck's book again, Rites of Passage at $100,000 Plus, to second edition. It's a great book. It really is the only book I recommend. It's big, it's thick, it, it covers this thing in so much detail that once you listen to it, you'll be like, or once you read it, you'll, you'll be like, wow, this guy knows way more than Mark and Mike. And you'd be right, he's been a recruiter for 30 or 40 years, and I, I, I respect him a great deal. I revere him, he's, he's really smart. You'll love the way the book is written. Um,
0: yeah, and it's available on the Manager
1: Tools yeah, website absolutely. under the
0: Favorite Books section. Yeah. Buy it at Manager Tools, and Manager Tools will be credited with $0.25 cents in their <laughs> Amazon account.
1: <laughs> um, and then there are two other places you can go. Uh, I think it's Kennedy.com, but we'll put a link up on the website for everybody. And then also Scandal and Hunt, two companies that specialize in in information about recruiting firms um they list all the firms and so on yeah it may cost you a few dollars but it's absolutely worth it to know for your industry and your geography the names of the firms in your area um and then w- once you have that list it's you know you pick up the phone and start calling them it's not not uh well almost um but but the list will tell you names and phone numbers and office locations and all that kind of stuff okay okay Excellent. All right, so next. So now you've thought about the search firms. You've narrowed it down, not just the top firms because you heard one of these guys interviewed on CNN, um, but but now you've got location and geography and those kind of things uh, considered. And now what you want to do is you want to ask among your network for recommendations. And again, this is a good way to get more detail about industry and and location slash skill-specific areas. Um, Ask people whom you trust, I'm going to say it again, ask people whom you trust in your organization whom they might be talking to. Obviously, your mentor would be a good choice um, because even if she doesn't have a recruiter, she can make inquiries for you without people knowing that it's you she's asking about. Um, An executive a couple of levels up from you, depending upon your level, could absolutely recommend as well. Um, The key is somebody you trust so people don't start jumping off cliffs that you're leaving the organization. Uh, You can certainly ask somebody who just left whom you had a good relationship with or somebody who just came on board whether or not they used a recruiter. Um, The great thing is if somebody just left and they went somewhere else or somebody came on board and they used a recruiter, that recruiter was successful on that particular search. That's a good thing. It's a nice thing to know. Um, So if you've met them a week later, uh, after you ask them whether or not they're a recruiter, a week later ask them who they used and uh, and they'll probably share it with you. Now, I want to mention something else. um, If you know somebody fairly senior in your organization and you know that they use recruiters, this is very, very powerful because if they use recruiters for positions in your firm, then they are very well loved by the contingency firms or the retained firms as well. Remember, the hiring company pays the recruiter. The recruiter is most interested in having a relationship with the client, not with the individual. If you know an executive who is a client who has recruiters sending resumes and does interviews and so on, they're they're a vice president or something, if you know that person well enough, that's the person who should be making the introduction for you. When They they should call their recruiter friend and say, look, we have a hot shot here, I don't think he's thinking about leaving, but he's somebody you need to have a relationship with, w- won't you please sit down and visit with him? There's not a recruiter on the planet that would turn that opportunity down. Essentially, what they're saying is, hey, by the way, my future business is contingent upon whether or not you can do favors for me as well, because re- all recruiter conversations essentially are two-way streets. They understand that if they have a relationship with you, they might get... If they place you, they might get search business from you, or if they're placing people with you, they might get to place you later. So and they can they can work...
0: Is there a conflict of interest there that, that can be problematic? For example, if I'm at company XYZ and they happen to use recruiting firm you know, Alpha, is, is recruiting firm Alpha less likely to help me as an employee of company XYZ because they don't want to steal from the, the company that's putting food in their mouths?
1: It's, it's a great question and the answer is yes and no there are times where searches where companies are precluded um, from working with somebody but generally that is for retained searches at fairly high levels and for the majority of our listeners I don't think it's a problem when you become an executive it becomes more of an issue there are blocks on people in other words you know I, I can't I can't send you out on the search for a year because we just placed your CEO for instance um, but 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 uh, but my worry is, is if we tell people that, Mike, then that's another reason for them not to talk to recruiters. And so they're like, well, I, w- I won't do anything. And you can't know that. And, and the, the blocks come and go at various times. You can't know that until you have a relationship with somebody. So, yes, it is something to consider, but it's not something to preclude you from starting to create the relationships.
0: Right. And if it was an issue for that particular recruiter, they'd let you know, right? That that You wouldn't have to
1: guess at that. Um. Um. Not necessarily this is why I, we, we want recommendations uh, or this is why we want you to reach out and to start creating relationships with people and and if you don 't have a good feeling about a recruiter, if they 're not going to return your calls or if they 're not going to be polite to you if they 're not going um, if it always seems like they won 't return your calls, but they get miffed when you won 't return theirs, um, you know in my mind, those are the kind of people who wouldn 't share with you something that might affect your your search. Um, so, um not necessarily, although generally they are duty bound to say something if, in fact you're assuming that they're going to be helping you, and then they're not and and um and if you, if you feel that way, you should certainly ask them, "Do you have a block on my company because of a, a placement at a senior level or something like that?" and then then they're going to tell you exactly what's going on,
0: right. Okay, so, so the, yeah. the lesson would be there that it, it actually may affect you. you. You may not necessarily know, so it'd behoove you to have a relationship with more than
1: just one recruiter. There you go. Bingo. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, putting all your eggs in one basket is not the way to go. Okay, um, so we've asked for recommendations. Um, hopefully, in, in an ideal situation, you can actually get a referral, and that person calls for you. Uh, and then we come to the step where you actually call and introduce yourself. Um, it's obviously a key step. It's pretty simple. You pick up the phone. And by the way, folks, I did not say email. I did not say turn to your computer and start typing in an email. I did not say email. <laughs> and you call the recruiter whose name you've chosen or whom you've already met briefly or whose calls you've taken but haven't uh, developed a relationship with them.
0: Wait, 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 okay, wait, All right, you didn't say email. I mean, what's, you know, what's the difference? I'm just trying to, you know. Start the conversation. Start the relationship. What?
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Why don't we wait till the end of the cast to share that with everybody? Okay. Yeah. The whole email thing. Jeez. Um, (laughs) Okay. And look, if you get voicemail, if you get the person, uh, you know, on the phone, it's very simple. It sounds like this: Hi, Jan. This is Mark Horseman. I'm a director in corporate logistics at Walmart, uh, and I've been given your name to start developing a relationship with. Uh, I know you're busy. Um, But I'm hoping you'd agree to sit down with me for no more than 30 minutes, uh, talk about my background and how you might be able to help and talk about potential opportunities. You can reach me at da 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 And probably the first call is not going to be returned. So I would give three calls in a two-week period. And if that person doesn't return your calls, I'd be looking probably for somebody else. I would not be calling them every day or every other day. Yes, that happens when you get laid off or when you find out that your division's on the block or what have you. Again, we're starting a relationship here. We're not responding to negative implications in our workforce. Yes, it, it could happen that you're doing that, but you don't want any hint of desperation. You're just, everything's fine, and you're wanting to start a relationship. So, again, hi, Jan. This is Mark Horseman. I'm a director in corporate logistics at Walmart. Uh, I've been given your name by, now look, if you want to, you'd share, I've been given your name by Big Shot Number One and Big Shot Number Two. Um, uh, I, I'd like to start a relationship with you uh, to keep my career options open. I know you're busy, but I'm, I'm hoping you would agree to sit down with me for no more than 30 minutes. Again, I know how busy you are, uh, and I'm only a candidate. I'm not a hiring client. Um, and talk about my background and see um, how you might be able to help. And then I leave my number. That's it.
0: Okay. Now you mentioned you know, scheduling some time to meet face-to-face. Is, is that required, or can you do that via uh, you don't introduction you know, via a, phone call?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You don't have to meet, Mike. I mean, if, if, if you're in Seattle and they're in Tacoma and it's an hour or something like that, um, uh, you, but, but I do strongly recommend it. Um, that's how relationships are born. It goes back to the whole comment about email you made a minute ago. Uh, look, relationships, uh, the best relationships are founded on and maintained with high-level communications, which means face-to-face. Um, it gives you a chance to wear a suit. It gives you a chance to impress the recruiter. Um, it gives you a chance to avoid the recruiter saying to one of their friends, I've never met this guy. You know, if the, if the client says, well, what do you think about this guy? Well, I've never met him. Bang, you're off the list. Um, you can show how good you are. And, and so many people don't do it. And so many people just send resumes over the transom blindly by email. They're not distinguishing themselves. And you want a chance to distinguish yourself. If you don't want a chance to distinguish yourself, you shouldn't be expecting a recruiter to do uh, anything extra to help you in your job search. And and a recruiter, uh, particularly a contingency recruiter, will help you get a job when a hiring client who pays them has a job for which you're perfect. It's as simple as that. So anything you can do to prove to them that you have more abilities and you're sharper and better than a piece of paper could recommend um, then you want to do that. And so that means a face-to-face.
0: Would it be appropriate to suggest that you you know, meet um,
1: over lunch, for example? Well, no. <laughs> Recruiters hate that. We dread it. It's, really? It's, yeah, it's rude. It, look, um, you don't pay us. So, in that sense, you're you're less important to us. I I don't mean to be rude, but but you are in the same way that most companies customers are more important than suppliers, uh, even with all the supply chain management issues that are out there today. Customers are more important than suppliers. Um, they recruiters dread, and so they won't do lunch. It takes too long, you know. And and, and um, agreeing to meet with you implies they aren't meeting with hiring clients, which is what they really should be doing. Um, Oh, and what they wish they were doing, if they're not, because they're, the clients pay the bills. And further, uh, they can make a decision in less time than that. If you take everybody to lunch, and there's only five lunch dates a week, right? If you take everybody to lunch, you're, all you're going to be doing is lunch with clients. Uh, or I'm sorry, lunch with, with candidates. Um, and then, of course, once you sit down for lunch, you can't rush through. And so, so now we're an hour, we're an hour and 15 minutes or whatever. Um, and it's not an ideal situation for you either. You have to eat. Um, there's, you know, and by the way, the idea that you're going to pay for the recruiter's lunch is if the recruiter needs somebody to buy lunch for them. Um, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. What you want to do is you want to come to their office. You could, you could certainly have a cup of coffee at a Starbucks. Um, but it's, I will take no more than 30 minutes of your time. Um, uh, I respect your time and I just want you to get to know me a little bit. And I want to get to know you a little bit. Uh, I want you to realize that I don't have two heads, um, and again, I want to respect your time. So
0: Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to my headhunter comment. I'm starting to really not like these guys.
1: No, don't. Uh, I tell you, you know, they're not going to be your best buddies. They, they do have a different set of motivations than you. But based on that analogy, Mike, um, you probably feel the same way about vendors and suppliers. I mean, right? They're, they're, they're motivated by something different than you. Um, they're trying to meet your standards. Not, all of them are not trying to exceed them enormously. Um, so, so, um, they're just being very clear about how they make money and it's a commission business and, um, you know, they're not paid a hundred thousand dollars a year salary. They're paid whether they play, if they place somebody and if they don't place anybody, they don't get paid. So in a sense, they're salespeople. And, and if you try, if you're in your company and you're in a technical role and you want to spend a day with a salesperson, the salesperson will look at you and think you're insane. It's like, well, are, are you a customer? Can you actually help pay my salary, which is based on commissions, which comes from customers, which you are not? Um, it, it, it's the uh, it, it's a challenging part of the connectivity between companies on the people's side of the business, um, but it still absolutely um, is worth uh, manager's while. And there are many recruiters who you would never know they're recruiters because they're so relaxed, so comfortable, so easy to talk to. Um, and if you start doing a couple of favors for them when they call you Enormously different response from them when you call them back and say, Hey, let's, let's talk about the other the flip side of that coin. Okay. okay, now look, next step you've got to provide your resume, um, you've got to bring it to face to face, and you've got to give it to them. Um, and please, whatever you do, don't ask them what they think of it. Either they're going to give you a comment that they don't like the format or or you met whatever format they have, which means they 're not going to praise you for that they 're just going to think, Well, the guy 's not stupid i can 't say he's smart, but he 's not stupid um, And the second thing is they 're not going to send you the other part of that you would be asking about is whether or not you have good background well they 're going to make that decision with their behavior um, It would be like asking somebody after you 've given a presentation about a big budget thing, what did you think of my slides? The resume is a necessary evil it 's necessary. But it's not you, and that's the whole reason you want to face-to-face. Should, should, um, I, should I send it to
0: them before,
1: before the meeting so they have no. a chance to look at it? No. So I'll be happy to bring my resume over. Um, the, and, and we'll talk about that in just a minute What comes back to the, to the email piece. Um, now, it depends. If I have a great relationship with somebody and they want to see my resume, that's fine. But when you send the resume, when the resume passes over to them, there's a key point we want to cover, and we'll cover it here in just a minute, um, about how to handle how they should be handling your resume, which most people don't know about. Um, so if you follow the Manager Tools resume comments, your resume recommendations, you're fine, and you should hand them their resume. Um, and if you ask them how it is and it, they don't like it, things turn out poorly. Um, and look, if they, if they need you to change it later, they'll ask you to change it, and you'll be happy to change it. Uh, but it'll probably only be when there's a job on the line and they want something highlighted that's not highlighted in the way it should be for this particular opportunity. Okay? Good. okay? Now, here's the uh, just a, an incredibly important thing. We, I, I call this step precluding broadcasting. It's the biggest mistake managers make. It is a huge mistake. It, the manager hands over her resume, and the recruiter promptly sends it to 30 companies per my earlier uh, discussion. And now those companies cannot hire you without paying that recruiter a fee. It's not always true, but it's often true, so they won't hire you. So here's the here's our recommendation. You must insist on pain of death. On pain of death that the recruiter not send your resume out without your specific okay of what company it's going to.
0: Well okay. <laughs> so what if they what if they tell you that's just the way they do it? I've heard that before.
1: Yeah. Ask them to return your resume and say, I'm sorry, I'm uncomfortable with that. Say, you politely say, uh, you don't think this is going to be an effective relationship. You're sorry you wasted their time. Do not allow them to talk you into controlling your resume. Your resume is yours. They don't get to send it out without you're okay. If they say, well, gee, if I can't send it out, is this going to go in a file? Well, okay, but I want to be clear with you. I am not giving you authority to send my resume out. The only reason it should go out, is you go out for a specific job, and it should be a job that I know about. Well, gee, I, I think you're really limiting yourself. Well, I respect that and I understand it. and I can understand why you'd want to send it out. And I have several other feelers out in the marketplace. I wouldn't want to create a conflict of interest. I, I must insist that you do not send my resume out. And Mike, the danger of this, of course, is after they've reeled off a bunch of really neat companies and you've been listening and going, wow, he thinks I might be good or whatever, they're going to perceive that that kind of, hey, great, uh, as an okay to send your resume. And that's why you've got to come back uh, and insist on pain of death that they not send your resume out, that they have to get your approval. And there are some that will say, well, gee, that means I can't work with you. And you say, well, I totally understand. I totally respect how your business works. And and I'm sorry that's the case. But here, if you'll just let me have my resume back, we'll call it a day. And I'm sure there are people in my company, don't hesitate to call me. I'll be happy to help you in the future. Um, But it doesn't look like we're going to be able to do business. And that's okay. I respect that. You can be very polite, very, very positive about it. You can be very upbeat. There are lots of recruiters. There are lots of managers. There are lots of internet search firms. Don't, don't worry about it. There'll be other opportunities. I'm, I'm dead serious about this. On pain, pain of death. death. <laughs> got it. Yeah, got it. Got it. Yeah. Now, look, when you do that, Mike... Now, so many of the negatives that we've been talking about really do go away. Now you're sending a message that you know how their business works. If in fact they agree to it, which most will, quite frankly, they're they're not going to tell you. They're not going to brush you off and say no. Um, most will agree to that. Um, they see you as coming across differently than the vast majority of people. That's why the face to it's another reason why the face to face is also so important. And then, and lastly, now you've met them and. If you want a relationship, gee, I guess if you want one, you'll need to follow up, huh? You'll need to stay in touch with them, per horseman's stay-in-touch-with rule, right? Once a quarter, oh, and, and, and isn't this neat the way it all fits together? Once a quarter, when you're updating your resume <laughs> for half an hour one evening at 5 o'clock after everybody else has gone home, you call and you say hello. You remind them that you exist, and then if they need help from you, you're happy to do what you can and you're just touching base and you hope things are well, ask them how, how their spouse and children are, know their children's names, those kind of things. That may happen over the course of a year, not in your first meeting, okay? It's about maintaining a relationship so that when the stuff hits the fan, you're not calling people you don't know. When your boss says, hey, I'm thinking about leaving and a lot of your success at the company was from your boss and suddenly that changes your relationship with your company, you say, ooh. Got to talk to a couple of recruiters. Whom do I know? The ones you know are the ones whose calls you've been returning and who you've been touching base with once a quarter.
0: Right. You know, while we're talking about relationships, can we go
1: back to that that, question we had about email earlier? Yeah, sure. Email is not effective at starting relationships. I'm going to say that again, and there are a lot of technical people out there that mistakenly believe that it is, and it's not. The vast majority of human beings do not consider email to be an effective way of starting a relationship. It's really only marginally effective at maintaining relationships, although it definitely has its place, no question. So starting off with an email, Mike, is essentially saying you don't want to work that hard at this relationship. It's really not a relationship. It's just an exchange of data back and forth, and that's not a relationship. Okay? Um, In fact, I would argue that the recruiter might get the feeling that you're throwing something over the transom at them, and you want them to work for you. And because they work for the client, they don't work for you. They feel like you just sending them a resume is, is not a relationship. You'll just go in the file like everybody else. Plus... If in fact they get your resume, they look at your resume and they put it away, and they don't really read your email. If it's if you don't get to the third if it's the third paragraph before you finally tell them, do not send my resume out without an okay. First of all, if they don't get to that, they may send out your resume. Uh, secondly, you send them the resume and then you say, well, but I don't want to send it out. They're like, well, okay, I can't do anything with this. I don't know this person. I've never met them. I don't know how they sound on the phone. Okay, he goes in the round file. Um, so so. The moment you start with an email, what they're going to reply with is they want you to attach your resume. That's easy, good. They get a resume and they get to they get to screen you before you ever get to talk to them. Um, so whatever you do, start on the phone. If three out of the four times a year that you're doing your quarterly update, you call them and then one time you send an email and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know, I I thought you'd wanna know about this at my company or hey, I hope things are going well, that's fine. But the majority of your relationship building should occur on the phone. If a recruiter is going to place you, you're suddenly gonna be spending tons of time on the phone and the more they know about you over the phone and or in person, the more confident they're gonna feel about putting you in front of a client. Because your reputation, their reputation resides in you when you go in front of one of their clients for a job. Hmm.
0: Okay, relationships. Okay. So, well, one of these one of these days we'll have a cast where we'll have a topic and we'll say relationships are not important.
1: I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. But. Exactly. And you know, look, horseman's first law. It's all about people. Um, and horseman second law, more communication is better. You put people in communication together, what do you get? You get relationships. Um, and, you know, I used to think that that um, I was swimming upstream uh, about relationships. And I discovered that all the people who are really successful, when you ask them what makes them successful, they said, I had great relationships with great people who did what I needed them to do and I could rely on when the stuff at the fan. Um, So, so yeah, relationships are hugely important. They're particularly important in times of crisis, um, crisis a lot of crisis planners say all we need is a really really good playbook actually you need a really good playbook and you need to practice it a hundred times so you know the person who you're handing your bit of data off to or you know who you're collaborating with on on a security breach or whatever the case might be it's the practicing of the plan that really essentially strengthens the relationships of the people that are going to be acting on the plan that makes the plan successful same thing here the relationship with the recruiter is what will make you successful when you need a relationship if you don't have a relationship and you need one you absolutely most managers feel panic and that's not a good thing to feel no so
0: not at that point in your
1: life yeah exactly yeah so a quick summing up right um start now folks don't wait uh get your resume current doesn't take that long start taking and returning those calls from recruiters that that can obviate a lot of this this cast in fact do some research, pay attention to the difference between retainer and cert, retainer and, and, and uh, contingency, uh, and know about local firms and, and uh, industry-specific and skill-specific firms. Ask for recommendations from people in the organization whom you trust and, and you know won't, won't uh, hang you out to dry. Um, call and introduce yourself. Very simple. Uh, not, not terribly hard. You're probably going to get voicemail, and that's actually a good thing. Um, Offer to meet them. Meeting is not required, as Mike asked, but I think it's very, very powerful. We recommend it. Don't take any more than 30 minutes because they're busy doing other stuff. Provide your resume. Whatever you do on pain of death, preclude them from broadcasting your resume. And then the thing that will make it easy when, when, when uh, the other shoe drops is follow up, follow up, follow up. Sounds that, great. That's how you do it.
0: That's not too bad. Was no. little, you know, that's, I was a little worried, but a lot of those are easy.
1: Yeah, simple, straightforward. Yeah, and, and, and there's not in, there's not a step on here that everybody can't do very, very quickly. All right. As Th- always, my friend, I appreciate it. My pleasure, sir. Thank you. Great stuff. We'll see you later.
0: There you go. Contacting the headhunter, or I mean recruiter, is a couple simple steps. Let us know how it works for you. If you have any questions, please do leave them on the discussion forums. Now, we get a lot of email, and it's hard answering all the questions individually. If you leave them on the discussion forums, can answer them and everyone gets the benefit of the discussion and believe me if you have a particular problem odds are that others have it as well and given the growing size of our community it's a good bet that you'll get some sage advice so until next time have a great week so long